0: Welcome back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. My name is Kelly Dixon. I'm one of the editors on the new hit show Breaking Bad on the AMC network. And I'm here today to talk about episode number 210. It's called Over. And as usual, I'm here with my co host, Vince Gilligan. Hey. And the editor of that episode, Lynn Willingham. Hey, yeah. And we're really thankful to have Dean Norris, the actor who plays uh, Hank, with us today. Hey, hey. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) the writer of that episode, Moira Wally Beckett. Hi. And last but not least, our music supervisor, Thomas Gulabich. Hi there. So I guess we should start right in because we have another one of those cryptic openings that um, are all the rage, and it is uh, that bear, the... uh, Black and white sequence with uh, that bear in the swimming pool. What the heck is going on with that scene?
1: Mystery bear. You just, you got to keep watching. <laughs> I, I can't, uh I cannot divulge.
0: Well, now that this is the third episode now that we've seen one of these openings. And every single uh, time we see it, we get a little bit more, but we still have no idea what is going on. Um, Lynn, you actually cut, uh, this is the second one of these kinds of openings that you cut. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what's
2: going on? No, because then I'd have to kill everybody in this room. And everybody out there. (laughs) And everybody out there. Um, The only thing we know is that, you know, we're getting more information since the, um, the first one that I cut, the second one that you cut, which was 204, where we see a little more of the bear being put into a...
0: Yeah, in mine, uh, we saw the bear being lifted out of the pool and put into a little evidence bag. And we saw other things lined up
2: along the pool, evidence bags. But that's it. Yeah? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in in this one, the bear takes a little journey. And uh, we bring him out to the front yard where he unfortunately discovers a couple of body bags. And that's about as far as we go with it. So. Up until this point, we're all just still mystified as to what's going on. I think it's
3: so funny that we never answer that question at the end of the season. People are going to be so pissed.
4: (laughs) 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 It's funny because it's true.
0: (laughs) Wait until season three. Um, So I guess uh, the way we start this episode is... uh, It's not actually true, Doran. (laughs) <laughs> the way we start this episode is um, is we start with uh, well, basically Walt uh, has just been given the news that he is in remission. That's right. And so um, there's one scene in in the uh, in the show where he's sitting in bed uh, looking at his knuckles. Yes. Because he has just wasted a uh, uh, a the paper, uh, paper towel dispenser. Paper towel dispenser in yes. the men's room exactly. at the Oncology Partners of of uh, New Mexico. Yes. Right? Um, so, uh, basically we're like thinking, okay, so I guess it's over. Well,
1: <laughs> is it ever really over? <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that? Moira? we having written this one, uh, you know, what, uh, what are we up to here?
5: Well, what we're up to is, you know, the sudden unexpected turn of events for Walt, which was, you know, up until now he's had the freedom that came with lack of hope, and he's suddenly presented with hope, and it changes everything, and he doesn't know how to feel about it, and I think if I was going to retitle the episode, you know, I might have called it Jekyll and Heisenberg, because he's (laughs) suddenly, like, in this quandary of, I got to be Heisenberg because I had, you know, this certain amount of time and i had this stuff i wanted to accomplish so it was okay for me to be that guy and now what does this reprieve from death mean
1: and is it a reprieve from death right let's also state what was also stated in the in the episode this is not you know this is good news unequivocally but it's temporarily yeah well temporary not temporarily we don't know for sure it is good news it's certainly not it's better than a Poke in the eye with a sharp stick, getting told you're in remission here. Well,
0: just like Del Cavoli says in the last episode, but you still have cancer. He's still got
1: cancer, so. Yeah. yeah. So here he is waking up on the morning after. Just that, that hope thing. Talk about that. It's like uh, hope can kind of mess you up, can it? Exactly.
5: Yeah. I mean, he got to. He's been doing everything he's been doing over the course of our series because of the absence of hope. So. Yeah, it's totally messing with his mind.
1: Yeah, when you got nothing to lose, and not not to say hope is a bad thing. Hope is a wonderful thing. We think of it as a positive uh, emotion or feeling, uh, and it and it mostly is. But I, it's fun that we've, you know, in my mind we, we turn it on its head a little bit. I mean, hope. I mean, there are times in life when you were able to function, you're able to get something done, accomplish something because, you know. For lack of a better way to put it, uh, hopefully this doesn't happen in everybody's life, but it's been known to happen. If you got nothing to lose, you you were able to to go that extra mile. Unfortunately, in Walt's case, doing something illegal. But uh, you know there've probably been times you know soldiers or whatever, you know, on some last-ditch mission, you know, suicide mission. They got certain point they got nothing to lose, so they accomplish great heroics. I mean, it can be not having hope in a strange way can be liberating. Exactly. Uh, freeing. And and now Walt has hope again, and it's kind of, as we said, messing with his head. Mm-hmm. And well, worse
6: yet, his entire identity is right now in question because he's created an entire persona based upon the idea that he's going to die, and that's allowed him to almost suspend any sense of morality or any sense of bigger picture. And now he has to almost come to terms with the fact that he's become a different person, and he now has no reason for that anymore or potentially has no reason it leaves him in a really awful place. Yeah,
0: well put. Well, it's funny because, um, you know, I remember when I read the episode, um, I was, like, thinking, okay, now this is episode number 210. There's obviously three more to go. Is this the calm before the storm? Maybe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We should talk about uh, how Walt is, uh, how this is playing Hob with his head and how it it leads to, for me, for my money, certainly one of the most uncomfortable to watch scenes I've seen on uh, Breaking Bad. And and we're so lucky to have Dean here because he was in the midst of it all. I'm talking about, of course, the scene where Walt uh, is getting progressively more and more drunk and gets the really bad idea to give his son uh, tequila. Yeah, (laughs)
4: yeah.
1: (laughs) What was that like to shoot?
3: Uh that was a, that was a whole lot of fun. I I love the fact of course we played with this throughout the the series uh the the Hank and uh, and RJ uh Mitty uh our relationship and how it kind of irks Walt that uh his son in some ways looks up to his uncle Hank. And you know if we're talking about power and feelings of power and feelings of, you know, manhood and all those kinds of things. And how that has irked him throughout the season, we've kind of touched on it. we haven't really spanked it, but we touched on it
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um Marie asked me to to talk to to r j about uh, the pot and things like that as opposed to uh, post to vault anyway and that then kind of intersects with this whole idea of hope and now who is he and his hy Murray and also now he's faced with you know sitting there with his son, and I think his his son looks to me mm-hmm. to to get a nod about whether he should take the the shot or not. And the first nod is yeah, you know, because hey, we're kind of all guys here, blah blah blah. And then Walt keeps going, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah.
1: And it's got to be more infuriating, still infuriating, still for Walt to uh, to look and see his son looking to his uncle instead of him yeah, to get
3: the nod. To get the nod, right? Yeah. exactly. And I thought that kind of, I don't know if exactly from the writing point of view, but it seemed to me that kind of helped to fuel oh, God, his yeah. continued, like you know, oh, yeah, well, Hell then yeah. F you, you know, gasoline on a fire <laughs> is
1: what that was, right, yeah. Right. But you guys play the Hell out of this scene again. Peek behind the curtain here. Uh, Dean has not seen this episode cut together yet because uh, we're recording this back before it is aired. And uh, I'm telling you though, man, it is great. You are so good in it, and, and Brian and RJ, you three are so good in that scene. Yeah, and it we is, almost come to
3: come to it's uh, to uh, it's, to it's, a fight uh, yeah. at the end of that, right? It's yeah.
1: unpleasant. Yeah. You know, and I and say that in the best way. It's funny it too is,
0: because when I watched it, I watched it a couple of days ago, and. When I saw it, I'm like seriously in the back of my mind. I was thinking, boy, if they did come, I wonder who would win.
3: Hey,
0: I mean, hey, I, hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: come on. I think I think uh, Hank would mop the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I guess
0: I guess you're right. I, you know, but I guess what I, I the way that I thought about it was that Walt is so mad, and we have not seen him in this level of aggressiveness. I mean, even with Tuco, you know, because you, you could tell that he was being aggressive with Tuco, but he was still like. Uh, you know, inside. But on this one, boy, he looks like, you know, there's so much adrenaline in him that, you know, I don't know. Like, what is it, the lion and the shark? (laughs) You know, who'd win? I don't know. Well, you know what it is?
1: Hank uh, would mop the floor with him physically, but Walt is at a place, you never know, Walt is at a place that he's got the will to fight really dirty That's you know, what in I a mean. way that Hank would never do That's what I mean. brother-in-law. Bar- so yeah, you I think never also know.
0: Hank would be like, oh, you know, I know I can kill him so I'm not gonna. Yeah. Well also,
3: I mean, I saw that. It was great filming that. It was the first time that Hank, the character, saw that in Walt. The first time by, you know, in any glimpse of that he had that in him. and That's he true. And I don't think Hank even knew where that came from, really. You know, but it was there. Yeah. You know, when he, when he got up to, to kind of confront him, it was like, wow. You yeah. know,
1: yeah,
0: absolutely. What about cutting that episode, Lynn? How, how about that? I mean, there was probably a lot of footage of the two of them. and
2: There was a lot of footage between the two of them. It was, interestingly enough, it was a freezing day, wasn't it? Absolutely freezing. It was chilly. There. Yes, yeah, Yeah. 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 Um, in between takes, the guys would go, oh, my gosh, you get you get to sit in the sun. I don't get to sit in the sun. <laughs> I remember that. It was just really funny. <laughs> but um, you'd never know when you see the this, this scene cut together because they're there's such professionals that even shivering – uh, inside, they were able to uh, to control, so you didn't see it. Um, it had great footage in it. I, I think there there was probably well over an hour's worth of dailies that were printed on that scene, and it was um, it was a long scene at first, and we had to cut it down. And the trick when you're in overs like that, you've got three people in a scene at the same time and you've got to match their performances and their actions and still make lifts that are seamless and the nice thing is that these three guys when they work together they're consistent Um, their performances are consistent so you can go in between three or four takes and it's not an issue, yeah. um, that scene could have been deadly. We had props going on, we had tequila, we had drinking. Right, drinking's always tough. We had, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know... Especially
1: because that was real tequila. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. absolutely. By the end of the day, it got real tough. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that. it did. But, you know, and then you had all those people in the background, you had background actors working, yeah. um, the rest of the party. Um, but the, the main thing in cutting a scene like that is just to, um, you know, keep the tension level uh, honest. So in that respect, because of the three people that I was, you know, dealing with, um, Brian, Dean, and RJ, it, it wasn't that that difficult to see, because the intensity was there, um, RJ was, was playing it great, he was looking to you, uh, Dean, when... He needed to. Um, it was just. It was really an honest scene, it which was. was really nice. It wasn't overacted. You know, you, no, you could have taken an argument like this and blown it way out of proportion and made it just, yeah, as we like to call it here, you know, kind of like emotion porn. You could have. Yes. You could have gone to a place that was really bad with it, but it just it built really nicely. And and it's like you know, Hank is in. He's in such control of what's going on, and and he's in, he's the only one, in my opinion, who's in control of that scene. From the minute it starts to the minute it ends.
1: That's true. And RJ, uh, young RJ Mitty, who plays Walter Jr., uh, he'll wonder- never
5: eat corn again. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I just want to say what a wonderful job he did. Yeah. He's a fine young actor and getting better with every episode. Of course, you know, working with uh, these guys, you have to raise your game. He was great to begin with, but, you know, he's a very young man. He's only 16 years old, and he's getting better with every episode. We're so proud of Great job he does. But, yeah, uh, Moira, talk about the, uh, how did you do the puke? uh... (laughs) The vomit cam? It was really cool. He did a really good job, too. Yeah, Yeah. I
5: mean, he was rigged, so he had this hose that ran up the back of his shirt and up the side of his face and that you couldn't see from where the camera was positioned. And the camera was on uh, a dolly that kept it really low to the edge of the pool so it's sort of simultaneously as RJ you know stumbles gagging to the edge of the pool they trigger the corn vegetable soup that they had created especially for RJ in the moment RJ puts his hand up to sort of block this hose thing and the the camera swoops in along the edge of the pool and captures the moment. I had no
0: idea it was a hose. When I saw it, I, was, I just thought he had that stuff in his mouth. And I love how it splatters on the side of the pool. I just think that he didn't actually make it into the pool. Well, I thought know, it was cool. You
2: know, it's really funny. In one of the outtakes, which maybe we'll make it to you know the DVD, DVD extras. A, yeah. There's one where it just keeps going. Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, he's right. done vomiting. It's like a hose it is malfunction it, The yeah, take yeah, is yeah. over, and and it, it's just, you can see him going, damn. You know, because his That's stuff cool. is still squirting out into the pool. It was very funny. <laughs>
5: Now he he did a great job. We we tortured him for a long time <laughs> with that vomit. Yes. And uh... hey, Thomas. So um,
0: you know, I know that in your job you have to find a lot of music for our show um, because I guess we have a very very distinct uh, signature of music that's evolving uh, for every show. God, I hope so. <laughs> but I know this episode was quite a lot for you because we had that party scene and and. We tend to do a lot of—I don't know. You talk about it. You know what we have to do.
6: Yeah, well, we had we had more music in two ten than any other episode. Uh, it was oh, by is that far. Yep. Yeah, oh, okay. it was. Uh, I think we had twenty different cues, ten cues that were wow. score, ten that were music, source music. Damn!
1: Talk and about
0: our, our, our score. Our our uh, our music Dave is scored Porter. by Dave
1: Porter. So, so what's the difference between score and source, Thomas?
6: Well, score is music that's usually uh, made for the episode and usually made by a composer who is sort of. Um, giving you music that helps to tell the story but doesn't come from a specific place. So source music is usually music that comes either from a car radio or from something that you can see in the scene or you sense would be in the scene. If you go to a store, you'll have music often playing in a store, just background music. Um, and then sometimes source as score means that you have a song that is essentially doing the role of score telling the story or helping to move things along but you're using a song to do that and we did have one of those we have our big moment at the very end which is by the band TV on the radio and a track called DLZ from which is an album that uh, got released at the end of uh, 2008 and uh, it's a pretty amazing scene that's sort of the moment when the Jekyll and Heisenberg switch really happens and we had to find a song that would kind of capture that moment and capture you know walt 's sense of determination and this true shift in his in his priorities completely, and uh, I think hopefully that song did it it's it's we also had a lot of scenes inside the the very end of the episode, which were in a hardware store, which were the opposite that was actually score as source, where Dave Porter went in and basically created these beds of music that made sense inside the hardware store so we had a pretty complicated episode plus we had all the songs in the party uh, we had Wang Chung in there we had uh, Marshall Crenshaw band we had Robert Palmer
1: Marshall Crenshaw or Marshall Tucker? I'm
6: sorry I keep getting that wrong, it's Marshall Tucker, thank you for catching that and Robert Palmer as it was a well. a favorite of mine in high school. Oh and, my, and mine too it's we had a lot of great music we also had Yellow Man, Zunga 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 Zang which is fun this <laughs> dance hall track from like 1983 I think
1: Oh, it's that old? I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, 1983. I love that song. That song sticks in your head till you want to use a like a drill bit to get it out. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Which may be necessary at the end of the episode. It's a good song though.
4: <laughs>
0: Can you talk a little bit about um, I hope it's not lost on anyone about the metaphor that was going on? I mean, this whole episode was basically a metaphor, um, with the rot in the house. Um, you know, because obviously Walt, uh, you know, is in remission, and basically the, the house has cancer.
1: Well, does the house have cancer, or does Walt have cancer? It, well, it, metaphorically speaking, in his brain.
4: Well, yeah.
5: Okay, but no, I know. I'm not, because... I'm not.
1: I'm not arguing with you. I'm saying this. These are interesting questions. Yeah. Of, yeah, Moira, what do you think? Uh,
5: I think that I mean, there's there's so many reasons why he decides to get under the house, you know, and why he he makes also. More of the project than perhaps there is, you know, we like to leave it questionable How much rot is there really or how much rot does he need there to be?
1: We're borrowing from a little writer named Bill Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> you might have heard of him. Yeah. No. yeah. Uh, if you'll re- recall in uh, Macbeth, Lady Macbeth is always uh, washing the uh, the guilt, the, 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 the blood she's, she perceives in her brain that's on her hands. She's always washing her hands to get out of that damn spot. Yes. Oh. And, so, uh, well, we
5: could have called the episode Out Out Damned Rot, I suppose. That could have been an additionally alternative title.
1: That would have been a good name. But... Uh, it's, it's it's although it's much more humorous. Instead of watching Walt wash his hands over and over again, <laughs> you know, it's more humorous watching him work a all And of
0: course, we had to get to that you know, just like Thomas said, that really pivotal scene at the end where he's in the hardware store and he sees you know a guy buying what looks like uh, ingredients for making meth.
5: The alternate reality, Jesse.
6: But I love also what that moment does, because it's that moment where Walt goes from being a father and teacher on a fundamental level, somebody who sees somebody who's in need and can, with great clarity and succinctness, teach them and feels a certain amount of pride in that moment. And then when he's in line, he has that other moment when the Jekyll kicks in, and, or Mr. Hyde, I should say, kicks in, and he basically realizes, this is my
1: competition, and I have to now put an end to this. Well, he, yeah, he makes an active choice here at the end of this thing, doesn't he? I, and, I, and he yeah. becomes
0: very public in doing it. And yeah.
1: there's,
5: you know, ostensibly no reason for yeah. making that decision with
1: the good news, you know. But Walt is, is infuriating that way, isn't he? I mean, he, there was no good reason ostensibly for him to not take... Gretchen and Elliot up on their mm-hmm. offer way back. I was just back. thinking yeah. the same thing. Way that back when last back season, back that whole thing. Where What's wrong with this guy? He, <laughs> made, he, he made a
0: decision, and I think that I think it's puzzling. A lot of. Um, our audience you know I mean I've been reading a little bit on some of these uh, forum sites and stuff and you know it puzzles people why on earth didn't you take the money and I think you answered that question at least uh, I I know you answered it when we did the, the 201 podcast and you said you know that's when the show got very interesting to you because it wasn't about oh you know fate is gonna intervene and they're gonna make enough money it's Walt is making a, a decision you know, even though he didn't say it, you know, in no uncertain terms, he said it in his mind. I don't even know if he realizes it, but he basically has made a decision. And now it's becoming much more, uh, I guess, repeated in certain ways. And, and this much more is definitely, concrete. Yeah, definitely. Well, well I mean, put. Yeah. This is the first time that he's actually done it in public. I mean, he's done it with, Uh, People within that drug circle like Tuco and, you know, got very aggressive with Tuco. But he definitely didn't do it to, you know, anybody. I mean, you know, his face is out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We got to talk about Phil Abraham, the wonderful director who directed this episode. Before we do that, I want to say something because I'll forget. The funniest line in this episode, and there's a lot of funny ones that Moira wrote, but the funniest line in this episode is something Dean came up with on the set. I don't even know if you remember this. Oh cause yeah, it, it's an ad lib. It, it's an ad lib at the end of uh, this is uh, at the You're party. You're making me scene. look good, Dean. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, Dean. What it is at the end of the party inside before right. the really unpleasant right. drinking scene, and again I say unpleasant in a good way, at least for me. You know, see if you agree or not. But uh, Walt gives his his little uh, thank you to the to the troops there. He says, uh, you know. Uh, when I uh, when it, when I found out I had cancer, I said, you know, why me? And then when I found out. Uh, I got the good got news. I got the good news. I said the same thing. And Hank has this, uh, Dean has this priceless look at his face as Hank. And, and he, he takes a drink of his, a swig of his margarita, and then he says, wow, inspirational. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny.
1: It's funny as hell. <laughs> yeah. really that funny. was not scripted.
5: I'm correct,
1: right? That's
5: that was, correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
3: all Dino. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. I loved watching him do that, though. That was such a moment, you know, when he uh, when he did that. The whole party's watching him and all this.
5: Sucks yeah. the, was, the oxygen out of girl. the room. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Um, you know, the nice part about um, a scene with that ad-lib is that the actor knows the character so well, and he knows how he would react so well that he can add an ad-lib like that. And if you're lucky, it's not going to be in the script, So if you're lucky, you actually can find those. They've been printed. You can find them, and you can stick them in. Um, If we'd been looking for that line, we never would have found it because it wasn't written. And, um, you know, a lot of times I think our... Our script supervisor, Helen,
1: Helen, who does a wonderful job. Yeah, yeah, she'll
2: she'll actually note it in the script, and then we can go and look for it, which is which is nice. But but it just it buttoned that scene so perfectly. Yeah,
1: it, it the scene. I mean, the scene would have worked as written by anyway. Moira. The scene yeah. would have worked without it, but it 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 really uh, added to it. It was uh, a little was cherry de-
2: on the top that of the sundae. Yeah,
1: quite a tasty cherry on the top. So <laughs> Phil Abraham, the first time we had worked with him, and Phil. Uh, of course, for all you viewers who also watch uh, *Mad Men*, uh, the wonderful show *Mad Men* on the AMC network, uh, Phil is uh, directed many of the best episodes of *Mad Men*, and uh, and it's it's such a great show. And he got his start as a DP. Uh, he was the director of photography on *The Sopranos*.
5: Yeah, for like seven or eight seasons.
1: Yeah. Really long time. What was uh, What was it like working with him, uh, Moore and uh, Dean?
3: Uh, Yeah, he was – it's funny. He looks like Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) Anybody notice that? He does. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I try – just for fun, I kind of – Engage in some uh, some stuff with the directors, but I, and I threw that one out there at the, early on, and he was just such a sweet guy. I couldn't I'm keep that it go up. Over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just like, ah, I forget that one, you know, because <laughs> he was really he was a really nice guy. I, I enjoyed him. Yeah, a lot.
5: he's really sweet. He's really even keeled. He's really organized. He's got a great eye. He got along great with Mike Slovis, our fabulous director of photography, because. Yeah he he's walked the walk for so long that you know now that he's he's directing he's he's kind of got the whole package
1: he does he's a great director and a wonderful guy and even tempered and just really knows his stuff man you just made me think too of mike slovis i mean i just made me think of how man sorry what, you know <laughs> sorry I am we can't get mike in mike is uh, living in, uh, in new jersey uh, i mean that's where he lives and uh, we're so, we're so lucky to have him uh, shoot our show Knock it on wood, furiously, that uh, he'll join us again for season three. Isn't he's, he
0: now shooting Fringe?
1: Yeah, he's fringe. shooting Fringe now in uh, New York. And uh, otherwise, we would have him on our podcast. Uh, boy, he's talented. He's, he is great. And, you know, that whole yeah.
3: camera department, I love those guys. Andy and Nick and
1: all those. You know, just the whole. All those guys Yeah, are great, great guys. group of. Andy gets a little tired of the whole handheld thing. I'll bet. Yeah, he came up to me. Andy's already... poor back. Well, yeah. He's a strong dude. I mean, these cameras are lighter than they've Mm -hmm. ever been, these uh, Aeroflex cameras we use. uh, But still, you know, it's still light means 30, 35 pounds probably. And uh, Andy came up to me at one point in the last episode and said, (laughs) you know, what about Steadicam? You know, what about uh?" (laughs) the... And I said to him, uh, you know... Steadicam is a wonderful tool. I just I kind of got steady cammed out on on the X Files. X Files, I love the way the X Files was shot, but it was a very, sort of very classical, uh, smooth camera that. Uh, it, I just I wanted to do something very different, and uh, so I'm a little Steadicam allergic. And I told him that, but he's uh, – so they get a little tired of the handle. T- so
5: Andy suffers
3: Mandy from your
1: suffers. art.
4: Uh, it's great, though, you know, <laughs> just just
3: as a general thing that in, in all these episodes, it's it's really nice to have the feeling that we have on that set uh, throughout the whole season with Mike Slovis and with our camera guys and everybody. It just makes you feel so comfortable, particularly from an actor point of view with the camera guys because they're right there. They're, they're, that's your audience, you know. And uh, to be able to feel so comfortable, like they're—I mean, I, I, like they're brothers. I mean, we really feel close, and it makes it allows you then to be open, be able to do stuff that maybe you know you couldn't do if if, if you felt in a different way. I don't
1: know. Yeah, that's well put. It, it, it is because you know I never heard it put that way, Dean. It's true. You're, you know, unlike when you're doing a play as a stage play, acting a stage play, you got an entire audience. But when you're, you you. I mean, you're, you're trying to block out, I guess you're trying to block out any idea of an audience, maybe. You tell me, I'm not an actor, but when you're doing a, you know, say Breaking Bad or a TV show or movie, you're trying to just be in the moment and not think about an audience, but you do have that immediate audience of the camera operator.
3: Yeah, and it's it's, it's almost like you really, it's nice to be able to, it's almost like they're your dance partner also, because they capture things, and, you know, you don't have unlimited time, and so you, when you start to know them and they know you you're able to get things you know because you know you're just comfortable moving at the right time and you're playing with them the whole time they're right there right next to you everybody else you kind of can, can forget about but those guys and you want to feel that you are I, I need to feel that I'm friends with them in a, in a in a good way in a in a in a so that you can you know let your soul out a little bit
1: that's because well those
3: put. are the guys who are you know right there with you, so.
1: and they are they are literally like dance partners, and sometimes because they're moving counter to you, they're they're backing up as you're moving forward, and yeah. so they're the you're the Fred Astaire and they're the Ginger Rogers,
3: right? And Nick is the is the focus guy, and he's got a really tough job, and and you know you can make it easier on them, and you, and and we can shorthand it to each other since we feel comfortable with each other, so we have to go through the director and this, we can say hey just move here, do this, I can help you out, you can help me out, and and we get stuff done better that way.
1: Nick's got a tough job. They <laughs> often it's often been said the toughest single job yeah. on a set is uh, is the assistant camera operator who is first in, assistant camera first assistant camera. who is uh, who is the focus puller who's in charge of keeping everything in focus. The camera operator is not messing with the focus. The camera operator is uh, operating the camera. In other words, keeping the framing correct. And the first AC stands next to him and operates the focus. And he's the one you see was always oh, got the tape measure out and. You know, they got little other devices, ultrasonic distance measurers, and all that kind of stuff. But that's a tough job keeping that focus in yeah. focus, especially yeah. when you're
3: moving because he's got he's got to adjust it as you're moving, and if you turn and all these kinds of things. And the other thing yeah. too
0: that you know these guys like to use these uh len- these very long lenses which really have a very 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 like almost a pinhead of, of focus uh you know like uh
1: yeah we use a certain amount of long we we use it we mix it up pretty well we use some wide a lot of wide lenses too but yeah but. Uh, the longer, you're exactly right. The longer the lens, the, the shallower the depth of field. And then also we shoot a lot of dark, you know, uh, Mike Slovis has, again, I wish you were here to explain all this stuff better than I can, but a lot of the time the, the F-stop is pretty much wide open or close to it, you know, F2 or, or you know, whatever. And, and the, of course, the wider open you are, a lot of you listening know all this stuff. Uh, some of you don't maybe, uh, but it, the wider you are, the, the you know, the less depth of field you have, in other words, that area that is in the frame that is currently in focus is pretty shallow. So you could, sometimes it's to the point that you get the eyes in focus and the nose is out of focus. I mean, it's that, it's that shallow sometimes. And
0: a lot of times too, you know, as an editor, I know that Lynn can certainly attest to this also that, you know, we take focus for granted. I mean, it's, it's, it's like you, you get a shot in and you know, you're looking and all your stuff's in focus and you got one shot and you're like, wait, how could this be? This, this, it's impossible, but. You know it happens, and you know. But luckily, on this show, we we have great uh, first camera assistants, and uh, we don't have that we don't have that problem to contend with. Yeah, that's true.
2: I think also um, because uh, how film looks on television and and in the theaters is so different now than maybe ten years ago. You don't have to be quite as pristine with it. You um you actually look. For uh, some of these things that kind of shift in and out of focus, and consider them interesting now, as opposed to oh my God, we're in big trouble, we've got to reshoot it. And I think um, where we keep our our key moments and our really important moments in focus. If you look, there's a lot of things that kind of move around, and and I don't want to say guerrilla filmmaking because that's not what it is, but it gives you it gives you the idea that there's something else going on here, and we use that shifts in focus sometimes. To help tell the story, um, and not worry about the focus. Ten years ago, you would always worry about the focus. Yeah. You would and, never and allow anything. Yeah. In frame, in focus. That that's that was like a rule, and now and those rules are gone. You, yeah. Well, you
1: get a you get a call, I'm sure, from the network or the studio or both, saying, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. Yeah, back way back when, you, you can't. Everything's got to be. I mean, not everything is always, but but if your if your actor slips out of focus, that's essentially what you're talking about. Is you know, there's always something out of focus in a shot. But but you're saying, you the, the face. you're saying, if the, the director, eyes slip yeah. out of focus for a second and then and sort of tweak back in, you back way back when, not even that long, not ago. not even that
2: long ago. On the X Files, yeah, if we had a, a shot, an actor out of focus, uh, we wouldn't use it. Yeah, and we'd know? go reshoot it. We right. had the ability, right? Oh. For those money days oh, again. Oh, that money. <laughs> 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 oh, my God.
1: We did an episode one time, 22 days to shoot. Oh, oh my God. That, that, by the way, days. is unheard of in television. Yeah. Actually, things are like eight days. That's it. Yeah, we get eight days on this show, and we're lucky to get eight, although I'd prefer nine or ten, but we, we're lucky to get eight because some shows do it in seven. Those days are over, Vince. Yeah, those, those, are over. those X-Files, oh, the the salad days. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you. I'll the grand, tell productive you, I, you days.
0: Because I remember you saying this about a couple of weeks ago, and we, we all looked at you like, what? Because uh, no, no show, I don't know of any other show that I've heard of that got that kind of time.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a little ceremony on Fridays. we just light a big bin full of money on fire. <laughs> 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 Every Friday, it was fun. We'd warm ourselves over its uh, cherry glow. <laughs> hey, let no, me... that's not true. We, we spent money very wisely. We just had a lot more money to spend on that show. And uh, boy, I miss that. I'm, uh man, I miss that. <laughs> oh, I can't even tell you. <laughs> Let me ask I'm, I'm you not that... talking about personal money. I'm talking about money, yeah, sure. being able to go back and, uh, you know, uh, this isn't quite right. Let's do it again, you know. We've well,
3: done I, that a couple times, though.
1: We have. We we have. And uh, thank God you guys just nail the shit out of it every weekend and week out. There's very little, and we have wonderful directors who get it right the first time. We are very lucky on Breaking Bad that we finish our – most of our episodes are posted, meaning completely finished before the first episode airs of the season. But a network show like the like the X Files, but it was not alone in this. You know, later in the season you get to the point you're finishing up an episode on the on the Friday before the Sunday or whatever. So wow. yeah. yeah, that yeah, was that's not happening. I don't, I don't here. miss I don't miss those days. <laughs> I don't miss that, man. I don't miss twenty four in a season. Thirteen in a season's plenty. Plenty enough for me. Thirteen being the episode number. Yeah, the number of episodes in a season, yeah.
2: Hey, let me ask you this,
0: uh, Dean and Moira. Um, you guys were both uh, there. And I heard that uh, there was a little um, incident with uh, with the actress that plays Marie on our show, Betsy
5: Brandt. You mean that she almost gave birth while we were shooting? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That, that. incident? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. by the time we got to episode 210, Betsy, who had been pregnant... Uh, pretty the much season. the whole season
1: uh, I, I, yeah she was pregnant before we started before shooting we started one. so
5: for those of you who want to go back and look at some of the previous episodes you can uh, check out the clever ways that we uh, disguised be- uh, her pregnancy because of course Marie on our on Breaking Bad is not pregnant and so there's a series of lab coat shots purse. Uh, inanimate objects yeah enormous purple purses (laughs) hello sitting there in episode (laughs) 202
1: hugging a pillow as she's talking to skylar yeah Yeah.
5: and uh so the night before we were gonna shoot the party scene uh the celebratory party for walt and his remission we got a call that she was dilated practically crowning and I was told I had to rewrite the scene. I suggested
1: duct tape.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was told I had to, you know, write her out of that scene, which I uh, scrambled to do that night. And then the next morning, you know, goddamn, Betsy is such an amazing trooper. She wanted to be there so badly. She was really, really uh, distraught that she might miss the scene. So i get told in the morning that she's in the car and she's on her way to the set and she shows up like sweat on her upper lip practically <laughs> ready to drop the baby yeah. and does the scene cuz uh, she just she simply didn't want to miss it she's and then a, like she's how, a trooper. how how
0: long was it from then that she did actually give birth was it was not? on the set
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah
0: you had the cord yeah yeah <laughs> she
5: gave she gave birth the next day
3: but she was also supposed to be in that confrontation scene. Remember, we had to change yeah. that. Yeah, what yeah. Was it we I changed? did rewrite
5: that. Yeah. She was going to be the catalyst. She was going to come right. out and see you guys drinking yeah. and take the bottle. And Walt and, gets mad at her, and then you and get mad spurs. at Walt. Right. Remember, we had a and it's like this whole, whole and and you know what? I like it how how it turned it. out.
1: Uh, no, I I like it how it is. Not not because we don't always. Uh, I love having anytime we have a chance to see Marie. I'm all for it. But yeah. uh, but. It would have. Uh, I'm very sorry. At least she couldn't have been in the scene as as Skylar was in the background. And and again, folks, the reason she wasn't, she was actually at the hospital at that moment we were
0: shooting. <laughs> giving all birth that. to her lovely new baby boy. Yes, is a, but it a did beautiful keep,
1: young
5: guy. You know that triumvirate. Intensity. Yeah, yeah. Because
1: it's like it it, it it There's so much. There's so much power going on amongst these three guys, and especially amongst Walt and. Uh, hank at this point and uh jockeying for position (laughs) (laughs) walton hank is just such a powerful moment between these two guys it would have been it would have uh, it's just so much better to have it be and it certainly makes sense that that hank would grab that bottle and say we've been bogarting this long enough and take it away and it's really an unpleasant scene (laughs) and again i I say that in the best possible way (laughs) it's hard to watch it's really hard to watch we got a couple of them this season uh tricky hard to watch yeah well i guess we should wrap it up then
0: uh i want to thank everybody for coming thomas thank you moira dean lynn and of course vince thank you thanks kelly thank you Thank you, you, guys thanks everybody for listening uh we will reconvene on episode number 211 entitled gosh i don't remember this one 211 is titled Mandala. mandala 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 So, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in and, uh, see you next week. Let's go break bad.